Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. As I always am, and you know, I am recording this live and direct. Well, at the time of recording, I'm recording it because I'm not, when you're listening to this, it's not, well, you get it, the idea, it's not live. But the bottom line is I'm in the Furman Garner Performance Studio here at KUAF. I Am Northwest Arkansas joined up with KUAF in a partnership Several months ago from the time of recording this, and we've always had a love of public radio, at least I have personally, and I was thankful that when I first started the podcast, one of the first people that I had on the podcast was Kyle Kellums, who was the host of Ozarks at Large. And so it was nice to have been invited by KUAF to be a part of what they're doing 
from a public radio standpoint and to be able to share my message with their audience. And so I'm very appreciative of that. So most of the times when I'm not physically meeting with a client face-to-face to record a podcast or we're doing it online, which I'll be doing a lot more of because I'm going to be doing more video in the coming future, we like to sit down here at the Furman Garner Performance Studio and chop it up with our guests. And so today's guest is no exception to that. We have Dr. Dennis Riddle, who is the president of NWAC, the Northwest Arkansas Community College. It's a, it's a, you've heard the name. Uh, some of you know young people that are attending and matriculating through the programs there at NWAC, but I've been wanting for the longest time to get Dr. Riddle on. And I'm so thankful that he has decided to join me today. And so without further ado, Dr. Dennis Riddle, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, you know, why don't we just start off right off the bat because you're new at NWAC too. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and then we'll get into just the overall conversation about the school and, and what you're doing at a community college level here in Northwest Arkansas. So tell us your superhero origin story. And you can be brief. I know some people say, how far should I go back? And should I go back to birth or 15 or what you decide what? Just give us the cliff note version of your superhero origin story and then we'll dive right into NWAC. Superhero. I don't know if I would say superhero. <laughs> I was born and raised outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And what got me really excited about entering into education is I was actually a volunteer teacher even when I was an adolescent and really enjoyed it. And I always had a real skill set for the math and the sciences. And so when I was in high school, I was asked to donate my time at the local YMCA to help people who had dropped out of high school uh, prematurely and help them go ahead and complete that high school diploma. Because oftentimes that can be a real roadblock for opportunities in the workforce and opportunities to continue to move forward in their career ladder. And so as a result, I found that I was really good at it. And I would just do that. I would donate the time in the evening, the time would get away from me, didn't even have an idea. And that's what kind of got me hooked into the space. I went to the military. When I was in the military, I was a meteorologist. And I worked at the most technologically advanced weather station in the military in the world. And I was actually interviewed on Good Morning America back in the early 90s. And while I was there, because of my skill set there, they brought me on also as a trainer. So I would train all the new employees who came into the unit, into the weather station. I would train them on the technologies. And it was just very natural for me. So I had done some overseas tours and other activities. Anyway, what way led to way. And by the mid-1990s, I was allowed to teach for Air University for the Community College of the Air Force. And I taught in the atmospheric physics, thermodynamics, and Doppler radar theory areas and taught in those spaces. And that's kind of where it kind of took off. And then I've been working in higher ed now in some capacity for 29 years. Wow. And it's really gotten away from me. And <laughs> what brought me to Northwest Arkansas? And that's, I think, the bottom line. So I was, my wife and I were, had the opportunity to come to a little town called Melbourne, Arkansas. Okay. Back in about 2012. And I had a chance to work there as a provost. Really loved the spirit and the, there's, there's an element in Arkansas I'll call it the spirit of Arkansas, but it's, it's this, it's a natural state. And so people are not, are always willing to roll up their sleeves and work hard, but also there's this element of willing just to figure it out. You just (laughs) lean into it and you figure it out. And so a place for entrepreneurs and people who want to take some risks to change the world to make it a better place. And people always wave at one another. And I think that's an aspect that I really enjoyed. So 
Fast forward, had an opportunity then to go on to Kansas as a president, but knew that I really wanted to come back to Northwest Arkansas if I ever had a chance. When the opportunity opened up, we discussed that it was NWAC or bust, okay. and we were all in, and now we've been here. I'm in my second year now here, wow. and it's been a real joy. I think for me, the work that I do, people would describe, I think to describe us as we're just people, we're just real. And we've all been given a task to do and we have a role to do. You can use a term, maybe a calling. Mm -hmm. And with that, you pursue with all of your rigor and all of your effort and all your energy. And we're just so thankful to be able to now invest those time, talent, energy here in Northwest Arkansas, because the people here really, it's probably the greatest, best fit that we've ever had. Yeah. So I think that's kind of how our operating in our space, but I definitely try to as a leader, one of the things that I try to operate in is making space for others, allowing others to excel. My job is to make them excellent, exceptional, and ultimately, you know, they may then go on to other opportunities and that's okay. Yeah. But my job is to give them opportunities to just make them excel and make them better. And by doing so, it helps me stay out of their way, yeah. you know, but, but equip them and resource them. Sometimes that gets used a lot, but I think as a leader, it's knowing the temperature. It's knowing when that person needs some assistance and when the person really, they just need an opportunity to keep trying and trying and the encouragement to not give up. Yeah. Well, I mean, all I'm hearing you say is that real leaders create space for the people that they work with. That's right. And that's huge. And you you never find growth in a place where you're stifled That's or right. where somebody's micromanaging you. Right. And I think it's important to be able to create that open space for people to really thrive and grow. That's and right. So, yeah. No, that's exciting. So what was your original knowledge about NWAC before you came here? What had you heard about the university? Sure. That's a great question, Randy. Yeah. What I always heard is that it's in a space, it's in a location where people are excited to try things, to take some risks, calculated, but take risks and just simply leaning forward. Not, I'll use a metaphor. And this metaphor is not a metaphor that I heard about the college, but it's a metaphor that I would use to describe how I understood the college. Sure. There are, when you look at a pond and there's a breeze blowing, you might see a few ripples on the pond. If there's a leaf on the pond, the leaf is being moved by the wind and by the water currents and everything else. It's just moving about. But then as a human, you can take a pebble, you can toss that out into the pond, and it makes its own ripples and its own waves. That's how I saw NWAC. NWAC can be that pebble that creates and works within the ecosystem. It interfaces, it interacts, it shapes, it can combine its resources with others. But it's not just a leaf that's just driven by whatever forces that may be out there. We're all, in my view, those of us in this part of the ecosystem, our job is to all be those small pebbles that are all sharing inertia sharing our energy, creating some waves that all of us can build off of and leverage to move all of us forward. But that's how, and that's how I view NWAC. That's how I view us. I view us as being partners within a system and interfacing with others to make the lives of others better. And when I saw NWAC from a distance, I saw it as having that capacity Mm -hmm. and in some ways already operating in that. And I wanted to be in that space because I thought with my own, with the time and talent that I have, I believed that I could be part of helping to amplify that effect that was already present. Sure, sure. Well, and kind of to piggyback on that, why don't you, if you could just elaborate on what you believe to be NWAC's mission Mm -hmm. and its role in our community as a whole. Because sure. what I hear you saying is that that you're touching, it's not just that you're open for business and that you want people to come through and matriculate and go to school there. It's about the touch points and 
and other ways that you can connect both young people before they even get to the point of coming to NWAC, mm-hmm. as well as those that maybe never got to that stage and now are thinking back about going back to school in their 40s, 50s, even 60s. Sure. And saying, you know what, I want to get mm-hmm. a credential. I want to go through and get some additional learning. I'm always amazed. My mother-in-law, she's 77 and she's still learning. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, she's taking an, a, it's an older adult computer class. And the teacher mm-hmm. was like, you're so good at this. You should teach the class. Mm-hmm. And she wants to teach the class. That's and I'm great. So I think we're never too old yeah. to learn. That's right. And that's the beauty of it. And for some people, you're not going to maybe necessarily go and enroll at the University of Arkansas. And there has to be an option for you. And I think NWAC is that perfect option for a number of reasons. But I would love for you to talk about the mission of NWAC and Mm -hmm. how you perceive its role Mm -hmm. in this community here in Mm -hmm. Northwest Arkansas. Great question, Randy. I view it as metaphorically as an anchor. Our role is to be a stabilizing force that allows, whether it's the workforce or the industry members and those entities to be able to have a place to have a great exchange. Mm -hmm. And that is the supply chain, that is the talent force that's out there, whether it has to be upskilled, whether it has to be trained from scratch, whatever it might be. Right. They come into that space and then we are able to then systematically and strategically place them out into the spaces in industry. Now, when I say us placing them, it really is comes down to the industry members partnering with us. We do apprenticeships, we do internships, we do all those those elements which allow the industry partners to have a connection to the college so they can touch and experience that supply chain in a very real and powerful way. Plus, we allow for advisory councils. So those advisory councils are ways that industry partners then speak to our faculty, speak to our instructional staff, and educate our teams on what industry needs today and tomorrow. Not yesterday, today and tomorrow. And that helps us continue to stay very, very relevant. But you spoke to this, Randy. Our role as a community college is we reach students very early ages, very early ages. Some, I was talking about the bike technician program, and we had students in there. The youngest we had in there was a 14-year-old, a 14-year-old learning bike technician uh, skills. And then we've had some that were in their 80s. And they'll, they'll go through the program. It's a niche program. It's drawing people from all over, not just this region, but even all over the world. Yeah. Come in to get that training. And then they're able to go out and be bike technicians. And we can do that in short-term trainings or longer. And I think that's an element where I look at the workforce is we can we can be there from the start and we can be there each and every step of the way because the average adult today will take up anywhere from five, seven, or even 12 different types of work Ooh, during their lifetime. Absolutely. And so as a result, they'll need these touch points. And so whether it's a boot camp like in computer science or whether it's some CDL training, you could maybe want to drive a bus or you want to you want to drive something that requires a CDL? Sure. We can provide that kind of training. It's short term. It's typically a relatively lower cost. And then you can go right out into the workforce. And those are things that we take pride in. So many of us are like myself. We're first generation college students. So we understand what it's like to be trying to like, I kind of use the metaphor of salmon swimming against the stream. Yeah. You're trying to do something that people around you and who might have been role models in your life haven't done before. And so you need to surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you. They're going to celebrate you. They're going to join with you in the journey to make your life better. And in doing so, you celebrate in those moments. It's exciting. How can I be part of such a journey? You do that by being part of the NWAC team. And that's what we do. That is what we do. It's exciting. That is exciting. And as I was listening to you talk, I mean, it's almost like 
you know, and, and I, I know young people and maybe I know some young people at several of the different local schools that have participated in some of these bike repair programs. Yes. I know that I want some of my kids to be able to participate and take some NWAC classes while still in high school. Oh, yes. Because that is available. I know when my kids were at the Arts Academy, that was an option for them. Mm-hmm. But then also at Fayetteville High School, all the local high schools offer that as an option for That's you right. to, to get ahead of things, if That's you will. Right. And it's not so much because I know I tell I was explaining to my kids that, you know, it's not so much that I want you to rush through school, but where you can take advantage mm-hmm. of those opportunities because right. they are huge That's and right. they create a chance for you just to kind of wet your teeth, I mean, wet your, I don't know, whatever, something to get your feet wet. Is, I think that's what I want to use to get your feet wet. Just kind of understanding what it's like to go through higher education that's right. and what it means. That's right. I can speak to that a little bit too, Randy. There was in the kind of work that I do, I serve on dissertation committees and one of the doctors that was in training and eventually completed his dissertation, I was his content expert and we were exploring the area of what does college training while a person's in high school who have the abilities and they've, they've obviously cleared entry level and eligibility requirements, mm-hmm. how does it impact them? We found this. If a student takes 15 credit hours or more while they're in high school, college credit, they are 300 times, excuse me, 300% or three times greater, more likely to complete a certificate or degree post high school. And that is because they've built that efficacy. You kind of use the term of getting their feet wet or kind of cutting their teeth into right. something. They're learning how to learn, but they're also building their efficacy, their belief that they can do this. They belong. They're not dealing with the imposter syndrome that somehow I don't really belong here. No, you do belong here. You have a voice and you have something that you can contribute and you are more than able to learn this content and master it and demonstrate it at an acceptable level to continue on your matriculation. And that's exciting. Yeah. Both my wife and I have two adult children. We've been married 32 years and our two adult children, one's 27 and one's 21. Both of them completed two-year degrees while they were in high school. One went on to be a, a biomedical engineer and an architect, okay. and the other one went on to be a non-destructive testing specialist. Both of them went through the process, so one went right to work, one went, went transferred on to the university. Both had very successful journeys, but they believed they could do it, and so what it did is it reduced time, mm-hmm. which increases increases their opportunity then to make money in life yeah. and to be able to do better in life earlier on, especially if they want to continue on at the university level. And then the other part of it is it allows that, you know, when we're young adults, what happens? Life gets in the way. We make these plans for three, four, five, <laughs> six years. And it's like what we had in our mind as an 18-year-old doesn't typically maturate by the time no, we're 23, 24. No. Life is just no. different than we thought. And so by helping the students who can do the work earlier on, it allows them to have great opportunities. But that's the concurrent side. We call it concurrent enrollment. So while they're in high school, they're also taking college credits. Yeah. But we touch students at every station in life, and it doesn't matter. Transparently, about four or five years ago, I was going to jump. I, I had always, this was like a bucket list thing for me. I have undergraduate degrees and graduate degrees and PhD, what have you, but I always wanted to get an MBA and specialize in an area of marketing. Okay. Not because I'm good at marketing, because sure. I know I needed to know more about it. Right. So in order to get into this space, I need to brush up on my accounting skills. So what did I do? I took two classes with the local community college to brush up on my accounting skills so that when I did my MBA, it was so much easier. Yeah. And yeah. it was amazing because I was more than prepared to handle what I was going to handle there on the accounting side. But that's just another example. Me personally, as a customer, and I'm a two-year grad. My wife is a two-year grad. My son and, of course, daughter are both two-year grads. So we've all leveraged what it 
what it does for all of us. And we're big believers in it. So I believe you're never too old or never too young to leverage what the community college has to hold. And it doesn't just help in education. It also is a place where people in the community can interact and use our spaces and our resources to help advance the interests of the community. Because at the end of the day, what is NWAC? NWAC is Northwest Arkansas Community College. Yeah. We are here for the community and the community's needs. Thank you for letting me share a few of those thoughts. No, I, I appreciate it. I mean, you you spelled it out perfectly. And I, I really hope people listen to this and share it with other people that maybe need to hear it. I know there are a lot of people, like you said, you use the word imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that walk around, maybe ashamed that they only got their GED or they only graduated right. from high school. And it's never too late, first no. of all. So I want people no. to hear that, that never first and foremost. Never and then late. secondly, for young people, anybody, any, because we have some young listeners of this podcast. If you're listening to this and you're in junior high or high school, I really want to encourage you to be thinking about maybe stretching yourself into mm-hmm. an uncomfortable place and, and right. trying some classes that may be at a higher level than what you're used to, mm-hmm. because you just never know what door that will open up for you. That's right. And not from a vocation perspective, but more just from a learning perspective. Yes. It's huge. And it could really send you on a different trajectory than maybe where you were orig- originally headed, because you've taken the time to try something new that you didn't really have a frame of reference for. That's right. I'll give you a, I'll give you a little example of that. So our eldest was taking a psychology class, general psychology class while he was in high school, college, college level. And he was, he had adult learners in there. When I mean adult, like 40s and 50s, people who were parents and even a couple that were grandparents. And he was telling us, his name is Daniel. He was telling us, his mom and I, that having those adults in there, his eyes and his mind was opened up to stuff that just, it just didn't dawn on him as a 16, 17 year old, just yeah. didn't. And his perspective of the world and his perspective of how Things operate in our world changed and it made him a much better human being. It made him much more respectful, but also a lot more reflective, recognizing that life, there's complexities to things and that you can learn from people of all different stations of life. And I look back on that moment and I think about what it did for him. So when you're talking about some of your younger listeners, Randy, you're exactly right. What they will be able to glean from those classes as well as what they're going to be able to contribute. Because I assure you those 40 and 50 year olds, they learn when they hear from the teenagers because they get to see through their eyes. We use this phrase, all learning begins by looking through the eyes of someone else. Yeah, Seeing through their eyes and their challenges and their, the things that make them celebrate and the things that make them cringe. Yeah, And oftentimes we can be just you know, ignorant to those things or just it is water on a duck's back. And when you're in class experience and you're learning, it's amazing. It penetrates through and it touches to our core and we're made better people. Yeah. Well, I know we also have, we also, we collectively struggle with generation bias. Yes. Right. Which is a real yes. thing. So boomers have a biases towards younger generations, yes. not, not so much Gen X, but, but specifically millennials and Gen Z. Absolutely. And Gen X has, you know, I always say, and, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm 54 and, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of, you know, I am a Gen Xer, a true mm-hmm. Gen Xer. I was yes. a latchkey kid. And yes. and the one benefit that I, my generation has that like the boomers don't have is that, you know, we were, I was like the first kid that was given an email address in college. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And we're talking mm-hmm. back in the late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. I got an email address and I was mm-hmm. like, well, what am I going to do with this, right? right. But, but lo and behold, <laughs> I was right at the, at, the, at, at the forefront of that. I was at the forefront of the internet. So I remember that. But I also have 
the understanding of, you know, my interactions with the boomer generation and the great generation yes, and some of the sensibilities that come along with those generations. And each generation brings something unique to the table. Yes. And it's, it's not so much a competition. It's more of a, do you have an understanding of where mm-hmm. each generation comes from? And the thing that I'm always saying about Gen Z, which they get a knock all the time, but these kids are very iterative. They're highly creative, mm-hmm. highly technical mm-hmm. because they are, uh, most of them are digital natives mm-hmm. and they don't have a choice but to kind of pick it up and understand things. That's I right. mean, my 13 year old, I remember when he first picked up an iPad, he had figured it out. I didn't even have to show him anything. Right. He figured it out quickly. You know, and I remember Seth Godin telling this story about how they dropped some computer parts off to a bunch of children in sub-Saharan Africa mm-hmm. at a village. And they just did an experiment to see what would happen by that. They came back like six months later. Those kids had had figured out how to program that thing and that's all right. of that. And that's that's just the very nature of where young people are. So I don't care where you are, whether you're in northwest Arkansas or it's somewhere in Africa. You know, these young kids today have the ability to process and consume and and iterate like you wouldn't believe. That's right. And I, so I think it's important, especially those that are older that are listening to this, to recommend, to understand that we've got to give these young people their space That's right. to fully develop and mature. Yeah, they're immature. I was immature. I wasn't That's mature. Right. I tell people all the time. I wasn't mature until I was about 27, Dr. Riddle. That's it, right. it took a long time. That's right. And guys mature later than girls, that's right? right? So that's, that's right. just the way that it is. It, right. This is just a fact of life. But And I tell my 18-year-old son this all the time. If you'll listen to me, Joshua, it's going to take a minute before you really, you know, you're, yes, you're an adult now, but you won't fully, you know, that Mm -hmm. frontal cortex, that part of your brain won't fully develop for a while. Mm -hmm. And so just take, take the time. And I think one of the benefits of, you know, understanding that is being able to focus on, you know, continuing to develop yourself. Mm -hmm. And one way to develop yourself is by taking classes, by taking training, by really immersing yourself That's right. into a culture of learning because you just don't know where it will lead. That's right, Randy. And you know, you when you get in those, those spaces, our whole goal with at NWAC and other schools is to make sure that we create an environment that is conducive to learning. It's yeah. not conducive so much just to giving information only, yeah. but to challenging our thinking and to allow people to connect dots that maybe haven't been connected before in ways that will open up new knowledge and understanding and new opportunities. And that's that entrepreneurial spirit. I didn't realize until we're talking here how much we have in common. I'm 53 okay. and I was a latchkey kid. Yeah. I remember going home. I was first grade and I had my key and I went home and I opened the door and I was the only one there. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it was today, a different time. It was, a different, it was a much time. different time. It was a different so. time. And you yeah. know, when you you walked more than a mile to and from school mm-hmm. by yourself. Yeah. It was a different time. And so how we processed and, and how we understand the world is shaped by those experiences, yeah. whether we like it or not. Yeah. But, you know, looking at, at all the different generations today, you're very right. There, there are mindsets within our generations. And I, I like to pride myself in thinking that I'm always willing, again, to make space for others. And I have far more to learn about them than they'll ever have to learn about me. Right. I want to get into their space and understand that and see what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. And then is there anything that I can do within the resources, skills that I have to help make their life simply better? And I think that at the end of the day, we started with the conversation about NWAC. It's an anchor, but it's there to really make create opportunities to make people better and to put them in better positions to be successful, whether it's in their careers, whether it's in their personal life, whether it's in their family life. 
because sometimes folks take classes for personal enrichment. Yeah. Other times. Just still, to learn. That's right. They don't know much about this area and they just want to learn more about right. it. There is nothing wrong with that. So if you want to take some classes that are going to work with your hands and whether it's whether it's pottery or whether it's sculpting of some sort or whether it's woodworking, we can do all of those things. Right. Whether it's learning about how to how to handle programming and computing, we can help with all those spaces. All those areas are available. And our whole job is, again, to be a reflection of what the community needs and make that, we often describe it as, we want to provide a quality education at a better price. Yeah. Recognizing that we know that cost is a challenge and we don't want it to be a <clears throat> barrier for people to be able to better themselves. We just don't want that. And I'm glad you brought up cost because that is, you know, I look at, I look back and it's, I actually, I was thankful, you know, we, we hear all this talk about how uh, school debt is about mm-hmm. to come back online for mm-hmm. those people that had a break during the pandemic and mm-hmm. the amount of money that's owed. And oh, yes. I was very fortunate. I got a scholarship to college, but I remember looking at my bill when I, like the whole bill. Mm-hmm. And I think my whole bill at Howard University when I graduated in 1991, and yes. I, they gave me a printout in the bursar's office was like $51,000 Yes, for four years of school. Right. And that was 91. And that was 91. <laughs> and now- that's what it is per year. Yes, at a lot of universities, yes, lot of you know, universities. especially if you're out of state or you know mm-hmm. something along those lines. And so, what I have said to people is that you know a lot of times people allow the money factor to become a barrier mm-hmm. to their education. Mm-hmm. And I'd love for you just quickly to speak on that, and then mm-hmm. I want to jump into some of the initiatives that NWAC is specifically focusing on sure. right now in this season. But I would love for you to talk about how. People should not allow money to be right. a barrier for them getting a higher education. Sure. That's a great question, Randy. Um, I'll speak to it from a two-year perspective. And then as a person who's obviously gone on and done more as well as my, my own family members, at the two-year school, when you look at all the stair steps, we'll just take NWAC, for example. Student wants to come to NWAC. If a student qualifies for Pell, which means, and that's going to be based upon their family earnings, mm-hmm. if they qualify for Pell, those Pell dollars will more than cover their cost of education at the college. It'll take care of it. So they will not have, they will not be, it will take care of their cost of tuition and fees. It'll take care of their cost oftentimes of their books. And if, depends on um, if they're a local resident of a certain school district or if they've also got maybe an additional scholarship, they'll have money left over for gasoline, for rent. It really is, it really runs that level of affordability. We, yeah. we take a lot of pride in that. Yeah. And then what we oftentimes say is debt, what debt does is debt limits choice. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that we take a lot of pride in is if the student wants to matriculate then onto the university and whatever university that might be, and to be transparent, the vast majority of our students do matriculate over to the University of Arkansas, very standard. Shout and that's because of our, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and and we like to see them go from Eagles today, Razorbacks tomorrow. Right. You know, and, and how they make that transition. And so as we see the students move on. They can then enter the university with either low, little, or many times just no debt, just no debt. And then that way they're not being driven by, or they're not in a a spot where the debt then is oftentimes discussed it as if the debt is driving the engine, then the tail is wagging the dog. And that really is a, a challenge. And, you know, when parents are looking at it or those maybe who are helping to especially for the younger students who might, they might have others that are helping to, to fund the cost of their education. That's a real thing. It's a reality. So our role is to try to help minimize any debt whatsoever. And oftentimes there is no debt and then allow the student then to make those choices based on the merit of, you know, going where they want to go and, and be able to pursue the kind of career they want to pursue. 
absent of that debt being the driver. And then the other element of it is, and this is where I get very real with people who want to go right to the workforce is if people finish the college at, at the tier school and they either get a certificate or a tier degree that might be to it, to go right into the in- industrial work, maybe as a, a computer, a, a computer programmer mm-hmm. or a graphics analyst or something like that. And they're going to get in that space. If they're debt free, they can take the job that they really want to exactly. take and yeah. not feel like they're forced to take a job because of the dollars it pays and maybe not really be the best fit for them. Yeah. Because that's a very important piece because oftentimes that first job or handful of jobs that a person takes creates a bit of a vector in their life. Mm. Now, it's not fatalism. That's not what I'm communicating. But if you're 20 years old and you're, it's your, I call your first career ladder step after college and you're going to that job and it's really a nightmare situation, it can linger for a while. <laughs> it can, it can it linger can. because, you know, you can get just in a tough spot yeah. where if you get in a really good space, wow, I mean, you can just find yourself zooming along and we often say is, I get to go to work, not I got to go to work. Right. And there's a difference in that language. So that's how we view our role. When you think about debt, that's how I view debt. Debt affects where they can go for university. Debt affects where they can go to work. And our job is to try to keep that debt minimal, if at all, just absent. And just so so that people are listening to this, you need to be aware that, and I love you, you using, uh, Dr. Riddle, you used the analogy of a step, right? Mm-hmm. So- like NWAC could be that first step yes. to you getting that four-year degree. So Absolutely. you get that two-year degree, and then maybe you go out in the workforce and work for sure. a couple of years. And heaven forbid you get a job with a company that offers some type of uh, education reimbursement. Absolutely. And you can finish up your schooling and get those additional two years and, and matriculate through a That's four-year right. program and get a degree debt-free. That's right. And then, you know, oh my gosh, what if you want to go get a master's or right. something like that? So That's right. those are the steps that That's are right. real. And I remember my mom getting her master's at night mm-hmm. at City College of New York, and mm-hmm. she got two of them because mm-hmm. she was an underachiever. But, <laughs> but I remember her running over there at night to do that. And she worked a full-time job, That's right. raising a son and got that degree at night, those, those additional degrees at night, those master's. And a lot of times you say to yourself, oh, that would never be me. But it could very well be you. Absolutely. And and somebody Absolutely. listening to this that's just getting started out and you could start at NWAC, that could be the beginning of that's a right. beautiful journey of education that really right. takes you to a, another place that you, you maybe didn't envision originally. And then I want to say this too, and you could probably speak to this, Dr. Riddle. There are a lot of people that struggle in high school mm-hmm. and then they feel like, well, I'm just not a good student. Right. And it's like, I don't want to waste my time or my right. money going off to NWAC or any place else because mm-hmm. I'm just going to waste my money. I'm gonna get, not going to get good grades. I'd love for you to kind of speak mm-hmm. to that because I, I know that people typically when you become 18 or older, you know, you, your gears start to switch differently than when you were in high school or junior high. And so could you maybe speak just to that aspect of it? Because just because you were a certain way in your educational right. e- pursuits, when you were younger, does it mean you're going to always be that way? That's exactly right. And we see that a lot, Randy. We see that students who may have, because of the way that, uh, well, to say K-12 is designed, yeah. it, it's it's a lot more, I'll just use the term structure. It's a lot more, yeah, yeah performative. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and where when you get to the college level, it really there, you're creating a lot of times your own paths and you can be far more creative in even the work that you perform and that you do and how you gauge with it. And then your course selection, you're really much treated as an adult. You're an agent. You look out and you make decisions. And then 
you can excel as you as you so choose to. And so it's not quite as prescriptive then. It becomes much more elective in a sense. Now, there'll be some classes that you definitely need, but then you're pursuing also a space in an area that you want to go. And we oftentimes use this also at the tier school is if you want to experiment, like if you're not really sure, take some classes. They're far more affordable than if you, if you take a, let's say, and then no disrespect to universities, I assure you that, no disrespect at all, but they're far more affordable oftentimes than the university level. And as a result, what can happen then is the student can experiment and then figure out and say, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't go and spend X amount of years doing this because I really didn't enjoy it. But right. Boy, well, during the journey, I figured this out and now I'm going in a whole different vector, but I'm happy and I'm excited. I didn't even know anything about this because oftentimes the students will go after careers that they've been exposed to already. So what either a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, friends, it's just the stuff that they're familiar with. But those careers that they're not, they're just that not been exposed to before, sure. they don't oftentimes get exposed to those or the types of skills that are required in those areas until they start experimenting at the college level. And they start going, wow, I didn't even know I was good at this or that I was even interested in this type of thinking or this type of knowledge or skills. Yeah. No, and that, and that's, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think everybody listening to this should understand that sometimes it, it's just a matter of exposure. Mm-hmm. Some things we think, oh, we're just, you know, I mean, I've never been a public math guy. I mean, I'm okay in math, you know, just squeaked by with whatever I had to take at Howard, but math was not my thing. Mm-hmm. English, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Math, not so much. But I mean, I, I took, a, I went to a community college because at one point in time, I was thinking about going to get my MBA mm-hmm. and I took an accounting course, just like sure. you said. And, awesome. and, I, and I loved it. It was actually, actually had a really good instructor. So that, that made a difference. But I learned a lot about accounting that I just, had not learned before. And, you know, nobody knows that. It's just like young people growing up don't have, you know, you don't grow up with an understanding of of finance mm-hmm. and account and specifically personal finance. It's right. like, that's a learned thing. You have it to is. learn that. A lot of adults mm-hmm. never learn that, right? That's, that's right. why we, there's been this whole talk about we need to be teaching personal finance and, you know, in the early years of education, K-12, because mm-hmm. Then you start to build a foundation. You know, mm-hmm. that's why classes like home ec and others are so important. Yes. Because they really help to develop the whole student, not just one aspect of them. That's right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. You ask a student today, a uh, particularly <laughs> younger one, to say, I'm not going to use the term checkbook because that's a that's a bit of a dated uh, term. Right. But just to have what is, you know, do you know how to balance just your your own records, your own financial records? And they're kind of look at you just like dumbfounded yeah. because, uh, well, I can go and check and see what's in my bank account by uh, going on online. But, you know, are you up to speed on what's really happening in your financial space? Yeah. And that, that's just, it's different, but you're right. You're, you're so right, Randy. The element of, of home ec and those other elements taught people personal responsibility and how to Again, how to be the pebble in the pond and not the leaf on the pond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's see. I want to switch gears a little bit. I I do want to talk about specifics of NWAC. I'd love to learn, and especially since you've been there for two years now, but how has NWAC adapted to the changing educational landscape, especially in light of what the pandemic presented Mm -hmm. to us, right? Mm -hmm. Because the pandemic caused us to just think differently Mm -hmm. about how we do things, about how we learn, more online courses, more Mm -hmm. interactions with people virtually. How did that impact NWAC? Sure. That's a great question, Ray. And one of the things that we found with with the pandemic is it actually created a bit of a polarization of our learners. Mm -hmm. We found that 
all learners at the time were thrusted into whether they were in the K-12 system or the or in the post-secondary system into a bit of an online learning space. Yeah. But like it or not, they were thrust into that space. And then as a result, what happened? Students were in there. Some students loved it. Some students did not. Absolutely. And so when the pandemic started to wind down and face-to-face classes then began to be an option again, we saw a whole market segment come rushing to those face-to-face classes because they wanted to be back in the learning space, seeing somebody, talking to somebody, shaking someone's hand, whatever it might be. They wanted that face-to-face exchange, though there was a whole nother pocket of learners that loved the online learning experience. And because the technologies have become better refined during the pandemic, now we find that we can do a twofold approach and oftentimes even a hybrid. So you can do a hybrid where you maybe do some online and some face-to-face, particularly mm-hmm. in classes that might have lab-type lab, lab type skills that you need to demonstrate those skills in a face-to-face environment. So we can do those in a hybrid format where they come to face-to-face there, but maybe the lecture and all that is online. So that's where we've seen the movement, and that's where NWAC has obviously operated as well. Yeah. So we've seen some of our programs of study have the, the student body, for whatever reason, the students, the learners in that space have definitely preferred the online. And so there are more courses offered online than face-to-face. But there are other areas of study that have definitely, they've almost abandoned online altogether right. and just wanted to go strictly face-to-face. Now, we'll still do some online. And we also recognize that the hybrid is important. I want to explain that just for a moment. Because when you talk about the pandemic, the pandemic also demonstrated that whether the, the learner enjoys online learning or not, is they still need to have the competency of those technologies because they're going to need them in the workforce. Yeah. Oftentimes, they're going to get into a place of work where they're either going to be using technologies that we use today that have really advanced out of the pandemic, yeah. whether it's virtual type meetings or virtual type conferences. They're going to now have to know how to join them, but also how to manage and lead them and schedule them and leverage them and recognize the weaknesses and the strengths of those meetings and how to sequence them in a way to allow for their teams to be dynamic and active. That's all part of learning and all part of the workforce. It's taking what you're learning in the learning environment and now making it very real to the work environment. Sure. But uh, that's what the pandemic has taught us in large measure. We've seen both those shifts, but a lot of pieces though with the hybrid, I see, and in my opinion on this, Randy, I see the hybrid becoming more and more of the type of course that's going to be like the staple. Yeah. Online will be there for sure. And there'll be some face-to-face, but I think the hybrid is going to be become the, the big catch net in the future because people will still want some touches, but they're still going to want the flexibility of, I want to do my schoolwork in the evening or in, at two o'clock in the morning right, and I right. can do it then yeah. and I can do it then. Yeah. And, but still have a little bit of touch to touch time because they, they still want to feel that comfort of knowing that, they're doing okay. Yeah. And seeing that person to help give them that confidence. And I think that speaks volumes to NWAC's decision to be more, very intentional in that area about mm-hmm. how they, you know, taking into account what the experiences have been. I'm sure you've done a ton of surveys with your oh, students yes. to get their feedback. So you guys are kind of at the cutting edge of that. Yes, sir. Right. Because I would imagine that a community college is maybe a little bit more nimble than a four-year university at pivoting sure. when they're presented with an opportunity that makes sense That's right. from a higher education perspective. That's right, Randy. And in addition, it's part of our own DNA, yeah. being that the community is, is the driver. We often say we have three things. We're, we're student-focused or student-centered. That's our key customer is that student. Um, we're also 
community driven. So we want to make sure that we are reflecting the needs of the community, which requires that being very nimble. It requires being nimble to the student because the student's expectations today are different than they were 20 years ago, 40 years ago. We kind of talked about that a little earlier in our conversation with the generations. But then in addition, we also have the employee value. That is how we value our employees is very important because so much what we do as a, as a college, community college, is we're a service-oriented organization. So a lot of our resources goes, go into providing for our workforce, and that is AKA the faculty and the staff. And so they need to be resourced and they need to be provided for. So Because if they excel, then our, our delivery to our student body and also our ability to be agile with our community, we can excel in those spaces. Yeah, uh, I love that. So could you, given that you just mentioned that, could you share a success story or notable achievement of NWAC and its students or alumni that you've recently experienced and been really proud to talk about? Sure. A recent experience was, it just, it was very recent. We had the bike technician program began and sure. we know we're in the world of trails and, <laughs> and bicycles. And Well, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I want people that, because we have people that listen to this that are thinking about moving to Northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand that this is a significant bike culture. Yes. Whether road or mountain bike or electric bike, e-bike, we like our bikes. That's and right. we have trails in miles and miles and miles of trails. That's right. Running from Bella Vista on down to Fayetteville and beyond. That's and correct. then, you know, every amount of gravel trails all over the place. So bikes need to be repaired with regularity. That's right. That's <laughs> so. right. That's right. That's exactly right, Randy. Right. They need to be repaired with regularity. Yeah. Well said. And and we often describe it as it's a wellness culture here. Yeah. It's a really big push to have a wellness culture in place. And we do that at the college. And then we also do that. And that's fullness. You know, you know it's the mind. That's the body. That's the emotions. It's, it's the whole element. You need to be well. Right. And so the biotech program helps augment that wellness culture. And we had uh, one of our students uh, came through, was actually a, had already earned a four-year degree, was living down in Hot Springs, heard about this great opportunity to learn at, take the bike tech program here at Northwest Arkansas. So she came on up and last year she was our top scholar for the college. She gave the student address back in May at the AMP in, in downtown awesome. Rogers. That's yeah. right. And she was talking about how the bike technician program changed her life because she was, you know, she had gotten her four-year degree, but she was just, she wasn't really finding her niche yet. Yeah. And she got in the bike tech program and then just went off. And now she's going to have her own business and She's branched out in other spaces, but that's all about a student who saw an opportunity, the college created the environment that was conducive to learning for her, and then allowed that student then to shape in many ways a bit of the curriculum to help meet her needs where, you know, she wanted to explore certain aspects of bike tech. Well, the program allows for her to do that. It's not so rigid that she can't play around and learn, and then you get connected here. So when they see a student that is excelling in a certain discipline and they know we have other entrepreneurs in our space that are good in that, we connect them. Yeah. And all of a sudden now, that student not only has the support inside their learning environment, they also have support outside of the learning environment. It's still learning, but now maybe it's outside of the NWAC space. It's in the workspace. It's in the community space. Those are the moments for me as a college president that give me the greatest joy because that's the intersection. That's the collisions that we create between the supply, that is the learners, and the, the workforce out there, that is the, excuse me, the industry members that are out there. We're that space to create those collisions yeah. that are helpful, that are dynamic, 
that change the lives of people and also equip and resource our industry partners with the kind of talent they need. Yeah. And they can just see it. And so that, that to me was is a powerful story because we saw a student who is really searching to finding and now excelling. Sure. And that's the best stuff that, for us. I love that. I, I love that story. And I'll have to find that, get that person's name later because oh, yes. I would love to tell that story yes. on another podcast because yes, I think people need to hear that too. That's right. A lot of times I think young people, especially young people, you know, you know, we beat them up a lot. Like I said, uh, the generational differences can create problems. And, yes. you know, like I know my kids, I, I think they're like have one track minds when it comes mm-hmm. to Xbox and stuff like that. But again, these are supremely talented young people. We have to give them give them some space to continue to grow. That's right. And to develop and to find their true calling and true voice. I mean, those things happen. People were patient with us when, That's we, right. when we were growing That's up. Right. So Thank goodness. We, we need to be able to meet out some of the same with our young people. But I would love for you, since you just brought that up, I would love for you to talk about what ways or uh, what opportunities for collaboration engagement has NWAC offered to local businesses and organizations? Because oh. I, I know that you did that obviously with the right. bike tech, but I know there's some stuff maybe with culinary. I don't know what, about yes. allied health. I'd, I'd be yes. curious to know there, how many. you've interacted with the wow. local business community sure. as far as that's concerned. And I'll speak to some of this, Randy, but I'll be transparent. I wish I had our deans now here because they could speak at nauseum, half yeah. hour, hour in each of their spaces. <laughs> well, we may have to have a, a part two or, or yes. we, we, you know, we had yes. that conversation about, you were telling me about speaking with uh, a lot of your faculty about, mm. you know, their different areas. And and I, this is something, an area that I want to go a little deeper in because yes. I want people to have a better understanding. When That's I say right. I am Northwest Arkansas, we talk about the business culture, entrepreneurship, and life here in the Ozarks. That's right. And Education is a part of that, right? That's right. And, and how people figure out what they want to do, what their That's calling right. is. And I think it's important for us to go deeper in those areas and That's lend right. a space to have those conversations. So we'll we'll do some more. This is just the beginning, yes. right? This yes. is a, we'll, we'll put a comma at the end of yes. this episode and yes. we'll go on from there. That's but awesome. I would love for you just Please. give us a little, sure. a little sure. bit. I can get you in some spaces there. And so you mentioned allied health. Yep. Yes, nurses. Our nursing graduation rate, first attempt on their NCLEX, and, and that's a little bit of technical term, but it's when they finish their nursing training in a registered nurse, they have to take an examination, which is standardized, and that allows them, they have to pass that in order to be a practicing RN, registered right. nurse. And in our case, they, they always measure based on their first attempt. So they can take it more than once, but they always want to know their first attempt. Last year, our pass rates were 97%. Wow. It was, it was about 20% higher than the state average, the national average. And a good fifteen to twenty percent higher than the state. What's average. that test called again? NCLEX. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. And we we excel in that area. And so as a result, we put out a lot of uh, registered nurses, and they go right into the workforce. Uh, we do not have a problem placing them whatsoever. And those are many times partners. And you, I don't. If I start listing off all the no, hospitals, I'll miss one It'll and I'll, I'll regret yeah, it yeah, later. Yeah, absolutely. But um, but you you know the the big players here in the Northwest yes. Arkansas region for hospitals. And we partner with all of them, all of them not some yeah. of them, all, all of, of them. them. Okay. All of them. Okay. When you think about culinary in our Brightwater program, yeah. I'll just give you a little, little bit of tidbit about the quality of this program. So, and this is a student, I cannot recall his name, but you could go and look him up. He was uh, a Bentonville student, was in concurrent enrollment with us and uh, was in our culinary program and he was competing in Skills USA. went on, won the state, went to nationals and was competing at nationals in culinary. 
That's one of our own right here in Northwest Arkansas. That's amazing. It was first that came out of this region. Usually they've come out of the Little Rock area and that was really bumped into that space. But that's the culinary program. The culinary program, not only do we help these younger students, we also are a site that trains the U.S. Olympic team. I heard about that. Yes. Yes. And so what it allows is it allows our students and our industry partners to get, again, integrated in ways which allow everybody's mind and skill sets to be stretched. It always stretches. So we, we work with our, our local food vendors in the region and, you know, food services in our region and help them not just in providing folks that can do, I'll say the food preparation, yeah. but also the science of the food. That's right. so important in developing new types of foods. And so that's what our, they would say it's food sciences is what they would describe it as, Brightwater. It's a food science facility. And uh, we interface very extensively with industry, extensively. Most weekends, we're partnering with industry members. And then also during the week, we'll have different opportunities to provide services for them, trainings for them. We'll work with some nonprofits to help them get up to speed on skill sets. Brightwater is truly a bright star in the space. And really, in the big scheme of things, it's not like it's teaching thousands of students. It's teaching hundreds of students I might not be teaching thousands, but it's a high impact area of study, high impact. We mentioned bike tech a little earlier. We're going to be getting construction trails in 2024. That very much is obviously close to home with the types of needs that our industry partners have. And then when I think about our business, business is a big area. We have more students in business studies than any other program of study at the college. And many of them then will create partnerships with our industry partners so that they can go ahead and get a business student in apprenticeship or internship type opportunities. So it's very low cost into the business, but they're getting somebody who's hungry and who is excited to demonstrate their skills. And oftentimes it's a great opportunity for them to get, honestly, uh, recruitment of talent. And we see those partnerships. I get requests for those all the time. All the time. All the time. And it's like- I wish we had a few more thousand students <laughs> easily, <laughs> to, easily, to help so. with those requests. But th- that's the way that we partner a lot of times, Randy, with our businesses is finding ways, finding what they need. And then if the students can do the, do the service while they're still in college, it's great. Yeah. And if it's then just matriculating right after college, that's fine too. Yeah. But we definitely meet the needs. I love that. All right. Well, I want to, I certainly want to be respectful of your time. And I mean, sure. you've shared so much. I mean, it, you've actually covered Basically, all the questions that I had, there was one that I did want to bring up and want to ask you about this, which is, you know, you NWAC serves a very diverse community. Yes. And I'd be curious to know, and, mm-hmm. and, and again, I'd love to just get an idea of how does the institution promote inclusivity sure. and diversity on campus? Sure. I'd say there's two big pieces on that. One is with our life program, and the life program was actually through uh, some very kind uh, philanthropic giving from our partners here in the region who really believe in the importance of inclusivity and then also diversity within our student body and that our student body really is a good reflection of our community. You know, we don't want to have it where it's not a reflection of the community and the community that we live in because that is as vital and important. And then also making sure that we are serving the underserved and underrepresented. And so that life program is is a very key initiative to that end. And then in addition, we are right now We have many, many clubs and the clubs are dynamic. The students drive the clubs. And so a lot of times students will develop clubs that it gives them a point of connection. 
And so we support those, we get a sponsor for them, and then they can do different types of activities that help them sense a feeling of belonging. Mm -hmm. And I think that is an element. When I think about being a human being and I think about a point of connection, the most important thing that I can be given is the ability to operate and create within this space a place where I can create a network. And the club works that way. It's encouraged, it's supported, and it allows students of all different types to feel a connection point and to then be able to get support with one another. And we find that those are vital. They're also helped with retention and completion rates because what happens, students oftentimes want to be encouraged by those that are like themselves and are similar in whatever that might be, whatever trait or characters that might be, but they feel a sense of commonality. And in doing so, it helps them raise their game because they encourage one another. One's filling down, one builds them up. But that's how we promote it, Randy. We do it through our life program, and but also through how we go ahead and, and manage those clubs. We have many, many clubs, and the clubs are important because that allows the students then to feel connected. And then if they, they see a club that doesn't exist, but they need, it needs to exist, start it. Yeah. Start it. Absolutely. And then, and then we also then want to bring campus life. So then we allow people to gather together in common areas. I mean, there's nothing scientific about that. You have to kind of let it unfold organically. But it is important that we allow folks and encourage folks to be able to connect in meaningful ways that are outside of the classroom. We often describe the college as we want it to be a destination, not just a place where people learn, but really a destination where they can learn, grow, and become just better people. Yeah. Better people. Man. Those are great things. I would say uh, future broadcast, I would bring Juanita Franklin on to your <laughs> Put that name down pod- there. Juanita so. Franklin. Yeah. And she works at the college and she was at one of the early I think I've met her, entries so. yeah. into the life program and what it means. Because it, it does. It's all about helping those who oftentimes are entering into a space that they may not have as much ep- self-efficacy. Sure. And maybe they don't have as strong as just support mechanisms around them. And what we need to do is be there to stand with them and support them and help them in the journey because every one of these lives, they, they, they're, they're all so important to us and they're no, precious. No. And that's, that's Northwest Arkansas, isn't it? It is. It really is. I mean, you, you, you've, you've laid it out very nicely. Man, it, there's just so much here. And, and I hope that people will have, that have allowed us to unpack all of this uh, over the last hour can appreciate this information. Dr. Riddle, it has truly been an honor to have you on the podcast, and this was well worth the wait. For anybody that wants to know how to get in touch with you or how to connect with NWAC, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. To connect with me, they can reach me out electronically on email at drittle, and that's for Dennis Rittle, and it's R-I-T-T-L-E at nwac.edu. Also, of course, uh, visit the web, www.nwac.edu, and they can find out about programming. They can find out about opportunities. There's so much going on at the college. It oftentimes blows people away thinking (laughs) they just think they're looking for coursework. And it's like, no, there's it's a whole city in of itself. And there's so much going on. And we really do. And, and, you know, I'm really fortunate. I want to thank you, Randy. I'm down here in Fayetteville. It's a beautiful community. It is. Absolutely beautiful community. And I I had... um, Chancellor Robinson and I, we, we, we meet about every month okay. and we, okay. we just met last week and we okay. had a great time and we support each other and we're always trying to figure out ways in which the college, the community college and the university can partner together because the more seamless we make it, the better it is for students yeah. and that's better for our region too. I agree. Always got to give a shout out to the Razorbacks. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, I, I agree with you. I think too, that people need to understand, and I've heard this said before, that when you, you look at the, a region or an area 
any area that has a very strong community college that's a vibrant community college, Mm -hmm. that typically is a pretty strong area, Mm -hmm. if you will. And Mm -hmm. so it it ends and starts with that. And so I really want to encourage people to take a closer look at NWAC, whether you just want to go back and take a class or two, whether you want to get a credential for one reason or another. And especially if you, you young people listening to me and you, you know, stop wasting your time on the Xbox, get those extra classes done because you could take NWAC classes while still in high school. And there are a lot of opportunities for you to kind of move things along, not to rush you through college or rush you through school. But a lot of times you're sitting there with extra time on your hands. You could be taking some classes that could really benefit you and help you make a better, more fundamental decision about what direction you want to go once you matriculate through high school and are are then able to get into college and decide where you want to go. And so you're not practicing once you get to college, you will have already had some experience. That's so, right. Yeah. And Randy, so, I need to piggyback on one thing you mentioned about the Xbox. So NWAC does have a, an esports club okay. and we're going to have a sanctioned <laughs> sport come the spring. So if they do have that itch, we can help them, but it not be replacing right. the importance of going to school and bettering themselves in the wholeness of the person sure. and not just within one space. Well, yeah, because I mean, esports athletes, or if you want to call them athletes, they they actually do quite well financially. Yes, uh, so, you know, do. I told my kids, my kids are always like, well, what if I do this? I'm like, yeah, well, if you're making a quarter of a million dollars a year playing Xbox, you can play Xbox all day long. That's but, right. but until then, right. we have to have a conversation and right. we have to make measure the amount of time. That's so, right. Man, Dr. Riddle, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I really Randy. appreciate that. This was a, an enlightening conversation. And I hope everybody listening to this takes heed of, of the words and the information that Dr. Riddle has shared on this podcast episode. I, I think that it's very helpful for us to have an understanding of, of how profound and strong our local community college is here in Northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. what they're doing and how they're only going to get better by having individuals like yourselves become participants in what they're doing here in Northwest Arkansas. I hope to become a participant in that. My first way of doing it is having this podcast episode. Right. So we'll see where it goes from there. So stay tuned. Well, folks, that's another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Make sure you sign up today. You can also subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please, please, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. We'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.